It was a disappointing debut for Desmond Ritter, but did the Falcons fail in setting him up for success in their 21-18 loss to the Saints in Week 15? You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman, a.k.a. Mr. Drew, a.k.a. Sirius Black, and a.k.a. your very humble host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Sports Atlanta podcast family, your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. They're helping you find the candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. So today we are giving you my rapid reaction to the Falcons week 15 loss to the 20 uh, to the Saints by a score of 21 to 18. Um, A disappointing debut for Desmond Ritter. But if I was just going to sort of sum up this game with a quick game summary, basically the Falcons fell into a hole in part both to the struggles of the defense early in the game, as well as Ritter looking particularly shaky. You know, they fell into a 14, nothing hole in the first seven minutes. They did have a chance. They did battle their way back as they often have done this year. Uh, and they had a chance to, you know, continue on a go ahead scoring drive it late in the fourth quarter. They were successfully able to convert a, a, or at least Ritter was able to hit Drake London on a fourth and five with about two minutes to go. Uh, but then London, after the catch, was stripped by Saint safety Justin Evans. Uh, cornerback Bradley Roby recovered the ball at the Saints 35 yard line. The Falcons did get another fourth down stop against the Saints with like nine seconds to go, but it was too little too late at that point in time. So let's talk about Desmond Ritter's disappointing debut. You know, if we're looking at the pros of this performance, you did see the rapport between Desmond Ritter and Drake London looking particularly strong. London finished this game with seven catches for 70 yards on 11 targets. Um, The other pro from this game was the fact that Desmond Ritter was throwing with more rhythm and timing within the confines of the offense than we had seen previously with Marcus Mariota at the helm. But in addition to those pros, you saw some cons on the similar plays, right? You know, Ritter really didn't have any other connection to any receiver in this game other than Drake London. You sort of take away the 11 targets to London uh, in Ritter's performance, and he finishes the game six for 15 for 27 yards passing, right? You know, even with London's production, you know, his passer ring was like 59. You take it away, it's like a 48. So overall, a bad performance, and it, it did feel like, uh, you know, he was kind of forcing the ball to London in a lot of situations, and that led to some potentially turnover-worthy type of throws, some off-target throws. That was another factor with talking about the improved timing and rhythm. The ball was coming out much quicker with Desmond Ritter at the helm, but, you know, sometimes that was leading him to throw to some questionable spots. Um, and, you know, there was a couple of times where, uh, you know, Saints defenders were – in a position to potentially snag some interceptions, but they were not able to haul him. Uh, Alante Taylor had like four pass breakups in this game. One of them uh, was a potential interception on a, on a questionable decision from Ritter trying to throw the ball to London late uh, on the sideline. And, you know, Taylor did snag the ball, but uh, he, he didn't get both feet down inbounds uh, while he was kind of bobbling the ball. And so that, 
came off the board in that situation. But, you know, going beyond Desmond Ritter's performance, you know, it was very clear early in this game, especially with Ritter getting off to that slow start, that the Falcons were really struggling to get separation uh, in this game. And, you know, we'll see what the All-22 says. And this goes back to a, a complaint I had about the Arthur Smith offense a year ago where, you know, receivers in this offense basically run three routes, you know, digs, crossers, and, and, and fades. And you saw a lot of that in this game. Um, and, you know, it's kind of hard for receivers to separate on those types of routes. And so this was not exclusive to this game. You know, this was an issue that sprung up when Mariota was at the helm. But, you know, we were forgiving of it because we weren't really expecting the quarterback at that time to sort of carry the offense, right? Now, we're not expecting Ritter to be able to do that right now. But in a world where Desmond Ritter is successfully developed, we would like to see him carry a little bit more of that burden of, you know, this offense and having a truly balanced attack on offense. And you're going to need more out of your weapons, um, you know, getting open, you know, for your quarterback to be able to do that. And again, this is not exclusive to this game because I know PFF put out a graphic earlier this week, talk looking at all the different starting quarterbacks and their sort of expected points added their EPA, uh, you know, in, in terms of different coverage looks and, and Mario's EPA against cover one man coverage was basically nothing, you know, he was basically did nothing positive uh, in that. And so, as I said, when we're talking about rebuilding this team, and again, you know, sometimes we forget that this team is at the beginning of a rebuild, you're going to need weapons that can separate. And it, it, it clearly, obviously, you know, Kyle Pitts is not there. Uh, so we're, we're hoping to get more out of that. But, you know, the, the, outside of Drake London, there was just not a, a lot of separation in this game. And again, I'm sure plenty of people are like, you know, we got bigger fish to fry. And that's fair. I think that's fair. But, you know, getting more weapons in this offense, getting guys that can get open in some of these situations, I mean, again, is may not be the biggest priority that the Falcons need to address this offseason, but it is certainly a need. And I think this game certainly illustrates it. But, um, you know, I think when we talk about the bigger fish that the Falcons need to fry, um, you know, you, you probably look at the defense and the hole that the Falcons fell into early in this game. You know, it certainly doesn't help your rookie sort of ease his way into the game when you fall into a 14 nothing hole. The Saints got off to, you know, were able to get the 14 nothing faster than the Bengals were. Uh, and, and that's something that should not happen, especially against the Saints offense, right? You know, it's understandable against the Bengals offense, but, you know, it, it's not acceptable uh, against the Saints offense. And certainly, again, uh, you know, we're not going to spend a ton of time talking about Ritter's performance in part due to the fact that I want to reserve judgment um, in terms of looking at the all 22, which I'll get to on Tuesday. But overall, he definitely looked like a rookie quarterback. Um, and we'll explore, you know, that as the week goes on more in depth. But as I said, I don't think he was necessarily set up for success in this game, particularly due to some questionable defensive performance early in the game. And you can look at some play calling. Uh, in this game. And we'll get into that later in the episode. And again, I know the, the comments are going crazy, uh, you know, being like, oh, Aaron, you're a hypocrite. You were so critical of, of Marcus Mariota and you, you're not even, you know, spending much time talking about this. You, you're right. If that makes me a hypocrite, then so be it. Like, I'm not going to sit here and kill a rookie for looking like a rookie in his first NFL start. Did I expect him to look as bad as he did in this game? No. I'll take that L guys, right? I absolutely wanted him to be better. I'm sure many of you guys out there wanted him to be better. And if you didn't, if you weren't rooting for him to succeed, you know, I got some questions for you about, you know, what are you doing with your life? If, if you consider yourself a Falcon fan, but I'm not going to kill a rookie for looking like a rookie, right? 
And it goes back to the conversation we were having six months ago when we were talking about this team being a rebuilding team. Are they sort of set up for the success, not only of Desmond Ritter, but also of any young quarterback that they are going to try to bring in here and to develop. And today's game did not look like a team that was set up for success, given some of the other issues in addition to the quarterback struggles uh, moving on. If you're not going to play, you know, acceptable defense early in games, if you're going to have questionable play calling, if you're not going to have, you know, receivers that can separate, you know, I don't care who that quarterback is, whether it's, you know, Justin Herbert or Desmond Ritter, you know, that guy's not going to be in a position uh, to succeed. And so the only thing that really went well for the Falcons is the same thing that's gone well for the Falcons throughout the season, which is their running game. Tyler Algier balled out today. He was absolutely reading the tweets about B. John Robinson, the Falcons taking B. John Robinson. And, you know, at this point, if this is how he's going to respond to the tweets, I'm, like, I'm going to keep tweeting about the Falcons taking B. John Robinson because he was balling out today. He had 139 yards rushing. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's a, a, a career-high, season-high for him. It was a season-high for the Falcons' offense, running game overall with 231 yards rushing uh, this week. So we'll continue to you know, <laughs> we'll continue to throw shade at Tyler Algier on this podcast if we got to. Uh, if he's going to keep responding like this, he was he was absolutely incredible after uh, contact in this game and had a number of big runs in this game uh, that really you know kept this team in 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 the game cp got off to a slower start uh he did finish much stronger in this game uh so that's something again that's something that is not a new revelation but we we need to get more from this team you know from the quarterback from the 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 weapons uh from the defense from the play caller all that and more uh if if this team is going to be more than what they have been this year which is a competitive you know run heavy team We'll see if they can, uh, you know, pull that off and we'll talk about that, you know, as the weeks develop. But, you know, talking about the rest of this episode here, we're going to talk about the defense and we're going to talk about, you know, whether or not their defensive struggles in this game were due to the fact that they were missing DMPs uh, who, you know, went to the hospital in this game. And and don't worry if you if you didn't hear those, he's fine. And we'll get into sort of if those early defensive struggles was just basically due to the shock of not having their defensive coordinator, uh, you know, calling the plays on defense. And we'll get into that as we continue today's episode, guys. But before we get there, I want to tell you about um, our sponsor, BetterHelp. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp Therapy Online. I actually linked up with BetterHelp this summer, had several sessions with my therapist. And the great thing about BetterHelp Online Therapy is they're going to assess your needs and they're going to hook you up with your own licensed professional therapist in less than 48 hours after you sign up. And I know for me, when I picked my therapist, I wanted someone, a person of color and BetterHelp was able to provide a great list of options for that. The thing about BetterHelp is it's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online, available to people worldwide. You can log on at any time and send a message to your therapist. You can do weekly video sessions, chat sessions. You can do group therapy sessions. You know, a big reason why I signed up with BetterHelp is because it's a lot more affordable than traditional offline therapy. That was something that was stalling for me from getting into therapy. But now I look at it as a affordable way to invest in myself. And if you're looking to make a similar investment, get unstuck with BetterHelp. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash locked on. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on. And guys, you know, given that the Falcons are looking for a quarterback change and looking for other help, 
elsewhere, you know, maybe they're looking for the right people uh, to, to make their team run better. And if you're looking for the right people, that's going to make your small business run better. LinkedIn jobs is the place for you to go. They're going to make it easier for you to find the right people that you want to talk to faster and for free. You can create a free job post in minutes at LinkedIn jobs to reach the world's largest professional network of over 800 million people. They'll give you the simple tools like screening questions. So you can find the right people with the right skills, the right experience that so you can quickly prioritize who you want to hire and it's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs is going to help you find the candidates that you want to talk to faster and for free. So post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on NFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. And so guys, I thank you for making locked on Falcons your first listen each and every day. And of course, you know, in addition to making locked on Falcons, your first listen, check out locked on sports Atlanta. That's also the place on YouTube for the locked on Falcons postcast where myself and Jarvis Davis are coming at you live minutes after the game on locked on sports Atlanta on YouTube locked on sports Atlanta is your second listen, uh, your first listen, you know, on Sundays and your second listen, you know, any other day after the week when you're checking out locked on Falcons is the home to three shows that are breaking down, not only local sports, but national sports. You got A to Z with Mark Zeno hitting hard with John Chuckery and ATL day ones with Jarvis Davis and Tanitra Batiste and locked on sports. Atlanta is also free and available on all the same podcast platforms that you're currently listening to or watching uh, locked on Falcons. And it's also free and available on Roku and Amazon fire TV. Just download the locked on sports Atlanta app. If you have Roku or Amazon fire TV. So guys, let's talk about the defense. And again, as I said earlier, it was a slow start for the defense. They did respond. They did play better in the, in the fourth quarter. You know, if you're giving a summary of the defense, they were terrible in the first quarter. They responded in the second quarter, played fine. Um, third quarter, they only had one drive, but they gave a very long uh, drive in that. So, again, not great. In there. And in the fourth quarter, they were pretty good. Um, and, you know, the question is, did they get off to that slow start? Because Dean Pease was not there. And so if you didn't hear, Dean Pease got carted off during pregame warm-ups when a Saints player collided with him while that player was fielding punts. Uh, he did go to the hospital. Uh, he was released sometime, I think, in the third quarter and, you know, is, you know, healthy and, and, and ready to go back to Atlanta. I think he did return uh, to the stadium uh, to check in with the team. But that left the team in a lurch at the beginning of the game with Frank Bush, their linebacker coach, uh, being their most experienced play caller uh, on their defensive staff. And he sort of had to step in, you know, shortly before the game and have to call play for really the first time since I think the 2020 season when he was the interim D.C. for the Jets uh, after, you know, whoever Adam Gase got fired and Greg Williams got promoted to the um you know, head coaching, interim head coaching job, if I recall correctly. So, you know, did that contribute to the Falcons' slow start? You know, I I certainly think it had to contribute somewhat to it. I wouldn't necessarily blame the Falcons' slow start on that because you look at some of those early t scoring drives, you know, the, the, particularly the scoring plays, it wasn't bad play calling that led it to those big scoring, scoring plays. The first touchdown, you know, Jawan Johnson broke like three tackles on like a 19-yard crosser, right? Play calling ain't the reason why, you know, Richie Grant and – uh, AJ Terrell and whoever else missed those tackles. Then you look at the second uh, touchdown on the second drive, you know, play calling wasn't the reason why Richie Grant, uh, you know, had one-on-one -on -one with uh, Shahid on the deep post with Taysom Hill in the lineup. And Richie Grant tried to jump the throw uh, and in the ball, he just missed it. And it resulted in a 68 yard touchdown where Shahid was basically able to just walk into the end zone at that point. And, and play calling certainly isn't, isn't to blame for the lack of pressure on Andy Dalton 
in this game. So I think the only thing that you could probably argue that play calling and having a, a second string defensive coordinator uh, factored into this game was potentially, you know, we'll see what the film says, but if, if Dalton was sort of the Falcons were playing extra vanilla in terms of their zone coverages early in the game, because it did seem like Dalton had no problem things in large part due to lack of pressure, just sort of picking apart that zone coverage with the Falcons. And maybe the Falcons were being extra vanilla as Frank Bush was sort of easing into the game. You look at Dalton and Hill combined on those first two drives, went five for seven for 135 yards with two touchdowns. Right. And so maybe that is what you could blame, but, um, for me, overall, I wasn't overly shocked that the Saints were successful at moving the ball against the Falcons throughout this game. I thought that's what I expected to happen. But I was, uh, you know, disappointed with the sort of explosive plays that the Falcons were able to give up on, you know, those two scores uh, in this game. And, you know, we've, we know the pass rush is not very good. They did finish with two sacks in this game. They got, you know, a sack to end the third possession. So that was nice to see. They were able to later in the game in the fourth quarter force a three and out, uh, you know, on a Rashawn Evans sack. The first sack was Grady Jarrett and Lorenzo Carter splitting a sack. Carter had a good game. You know, the edge rushers seemed to to step up. Malone had a couple of plays, uh, but you, you didn't have you know, that difference maker in addition to Grady Jarrett up the middle. Uh, and it was a pretty quiet game for Arnold Lebichetti, which was a little disappointing. Thought he, you know, wanted to see him sort of step up in this game. Um, but like we, we've known the pass rush is bad. So like at this point in time, like, you know, complaining about the Falcons lack of pass rush, it's like, look, you know, how long has it been? Like we, we we're going to have to make some investments uh, this offseason, lots of investments there. So we've known that without saying, but what was really disappointing to me in this game for the defense standpoint was the poor play on the back end, right? You know, both safeties and Hawkins and Grant struggled in this game, very up and down in this game. Now Hawkins did somewhat redeem himself. He had a couple of missed tackles uh, in this game, but he did redeem himself with a late game pass breakup uh, on the third down, the force of three and out to give the Falcons the ball back. Um, Darren Hall got cooked early in this game and it seemed like the Falcons pulled him early in this game. And you saw him and Cornell Armstrong. I don't know how much they kept it up into the second half, but it seemed like in the first half of this game, they were alternating series at that cornerback spot opposite AJ Terrell. And, you know, one of the things I was hoping to see the Falcons do, but we didn't really talk about it coming out of by because there was no indication that this was what they could do. But one of the things I was hoping to see was part of their self-evaluation, given how much Darren Hall has struggled the last couple of games going into the bye week and seemingly struggling coming out of the bye week, is that the Falcons would, you know, self-evaluate and realize, okay, our three best corners are A.J. Terrell, Isaiah Oliver, and D. Alford. We need to get those three guys on the field as much as possible. So, I'm hoping after today's performance of seeing Hall and Armstrong do, you know, little to nothing in this game that we're going to see that change made next week against the Ravens. Can we see D Alford play on the outside? I mean, come on, man. Like he, he had a nice pass breakup in this game playing in the slot, but let's see what this guy could do on the outside. That's where he played in Canada. Let's see what he can do. I'm, I'm tired of him just being a slot corner at this point. We know he can do that fine, but let's see if he has anything uh, to bring to the table as an outside corner. So, you know, Darren Hall, hey, man, I was rooting for you, but, like, it, you ain't been it, okay? So, um, you know, that's what we'll say about the defense. Again, very rocky start. Doesn't help your rookie quarterback fall into a 14 nothing hole, and I think that was a contributing factor to maybe some of the questionable play calling in this game where you saw Arthur Smith being a little bit too aggressive in this game early on, you know, asking Ritter to throw the ball probably a little bit more than I think a lot of people expected him. And we'll talk about Arthur Smith's play calling and where my gripes come in. Not so much early in the game, but late in the game, I thought we had uh, another instances of Arthur Smith 
um, you know, questionable game management late in the game. So we'll get into that as we wrap up today's Locked on Falcons, guys. But before we get there, I want to tell you about prize picks, a fun new way to play daily fantasy. All you got to do is pick two to five players. And if they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you will win up to 10 times your money. If you took the more on Desmond Ritter, uh, getting over 172 yards, um, in this game, you did not win your money. So, uh, unfortunately, that recommendation uh, fell well short. But the great thing about prize picks is it's not just you versus other people. It's just you versus the projections. Uh, and it's not just, you know, NFL projections. You got NBA projections. You know, when the baseball season starts up, you got MLB, you got NHL, PGA, college football, so much more. Prize picks is safe. It's fast. It's easy. It's currently in operation in over 30 states in the U.S. and Canada. All you got to do is download the prize pick app or go to prizepicks.com and sign up and play daily fantasy. Uh, first time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. That means if you deposit 100 bucks, prize picks will give you 100 bucks to play with. Don't forget to use that promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. So let's talk about the play calling. And again, the summary would be it wasn't great, um, but I don't have as much fire or anger towards the early game stuff, which I'm sure, you know, I think it's it's fair to criticize. Don't get me wrong. Um, You know, but I will wait till the all 22 comes out before I'm overly judgmental on that. Now, I don't look at this, you know, Ritter's poor performance and say that's Arthur Smith poor play calling. Um, because again, I, th- I think a lot of the issues were some questionable decisions that Desmond Ritter made, some inaccurate throws that Desmond Ritter made, maybe a couple of times where the pocket presence wasn't great. So again, those are things that I'll be looking for on the on the all twenty two. But I certainly think it's fair to criticize Arthur Smith and and, and have some questions and, and do a lot of second guessing. I think it's fair to second guess some of the decisions he made early in this game and certainly late in this game. You look at the first three series, the Falcons were very pass heavy, right? You look at the you know. You typically script the first 15 plays. The first three series combined had 19 plays. So they had a 12 passes and seven called runs on those 19 uh, plays, not, you know, including some of the plays that were nullified by penalties and whatnot. And one of the things that Arthur Smith commented on in his uh, post-game press conference was the notion that Desmond Ritter was a little amped up on those first couple of series. Um, and, you know, that was a knock on Desmond Ritter coming out of college. We we noted that when we evaluated him, that there was a couple of games where he would come out in those first couple of series and, and be a little scattershot and be a little amped up and, you know, some of that adrenaline running. And, you know, you hear Arthur Smith talk after the game and you hear Desmond Ritter's post-game press conference after the game. And it did seem like uh, Ritter was very critical of himself coming out and, and feeling like he was a little bit amped up trying to be too perfect with some of those early game throws. Uh, so that will be something that they'll have to work on, but you certainly could argue that Arthur Smith could have done a lot more to give Desmond Ritter some, you know, high percentage throws, right? His first completion, you know, came on his fifth official pass of the game on a tight end screen to Michael Pruitt. And you wonder, okay, why couldn't you have done that on the first play of the game, right? Why couldn't we have seen that Drake London screen that a lot of people were sort of, you know, speculating about being potentially, uh, we did see that shot down the field. Uh, you know, we, I think we talked about it on the podcast, but it was like, you know, there was a part of you that wanted to see them take a shot down the field, uh, you know, partially as an FU to Marcus Mariota, but because, you know, we wanted to have that mirror of what Matt Ryan was able to do on the first play. And obviously that did not come to fruition. But for me, a lot of my criticisms for Arthur Smith and the play calling was more late game stuff. And this was an issue that sprung up in that Washington game where the Falcons were 
probably throwing the ball a little bit too much late in the game and, and not really managing the clock, especially. And I thought that was something that kind of reared its ugly head on that final drive for the Falcons as well in this game. You know, obviously they were able to, you know, the, the throwing was effective uh, because, you know, again, going back to that fourth down play, that was a pass play. He did hit London. And the reason why that play failed was not because it was a bad play call or, or anything like that. Just London didn't hang on to the football, but I, I wanted to see this team be a lot more methodical late in the game. Look, we know the defense has made plays at times to help them win games, but I would never trust this defense, uh, you know, to, to go out there and get a stop. Had the Falcons taken the go ahead score or tied the game at that point. And so when you get the ball back with six minutes left in the game, uh, run the football, let's bleed the clock down. Let's bleed it down to the point that young way Koo has to kick a, a, a game tying field goal with time expiring to send it in overtime or, you know, we score that touchdown in the closing seconds of the game and don't give the Saints the ball back again. That was, to me, the issue with the questionable play calling with Arthur Smith in that Washington game. This has been an issue that has reared its ugly head multiple times now with some questionable game management late in games, particularly with that time management and some questionable play calling. So most of my criticism for Arthur Smith's play calling is more late game stuff run the ball more in those situations. Certainly I think it's more than fair for anybody to say they should have ran the ball more early in the game. Absolutely. I think that's fair, but I do think, you know, part of that is, Oh, maybe they came out a little bit more aggressive than they initially planned um, on those first two drives. Cause they found themselves in a 14, nothing hole. Um, and, and so that wasn't helping matter. So we'll, we'll never know um, unless Arthur Smith basically, comes out and says, yeah, our, our game plan was completely different. We had to throw it out, uh, you know, after that, which I don't think he's going to do. Um, I, again, I think there's other areas where you can criticize, you know, the Felipe Franks wildcat stuff is like, really, that's what you're going to bust out. That's what you've been working on in the bye week It's never worked. It didn't work today. They, they ran a couple of those plays. They ran a reverse pass off of Felipe Franks uh, wildcat where he handed the ball off to Patterson and Patterson flipped it back to Ritter. I certainly think, you know, people will criticize that play call. I think it's fair to criticize that play call, but really the problem with that play call was Ritter holding onto the ball too much. He was trying to make a play. And again, that, that to me is kind of the story of this game where Ritter was making some rookie mistakes and not showing that sort of, you know, maturity uh, and advancement with the decision-making that we were hoping to see in this game. So I don't have as much beef with that play call uh, as maybe some other people have. Uh, so, as I said, again, I think it's more than fair to be critical of, of Smith's play calling. If other people want to, you know, put more of it on Smith and questionable play calls, like be my guess. You know, for me, that's more nitpicky. But I, I certainly think it's more than fair to second guess a lot of the stuff uh, that he was doing in this game. So that's really it, guys. You know, again, we'll have more to talk about Desmond Ritter when we get uh, a second pass of the film. Uh, later this week, we're going to have Mark Schofield of SB Nation uh, to come on and give his thoughts, not only on Ritter, but we'll probably talk a little bit about next year's quarterback class, especially in the, that conversation becomes a little bit more pertinent, uh, given we did not get the sort of breakout, you know, savior uh, type of performance from Desmond Ritter in this game. Um, but this loss pretty much ends the Falcons playoff chances. Um, we talked about this briefly on Friday with Jarvis Davis, but basically now losing this game to the saints, it will be impossible for them to win a tiebreaker in the NFC South against Carolina and Tampa Bay. Uh, and so basically the only chance the Falcons have making the playoffs really is hoping that the Falcons now run the table and go three and to close out this year and go eight, nine this year. Um, and then hope that both Tampa Bay and Carolina uh, fail to, to get to eight wins, right. And finish seven and 10. Now, um, you know, the, 
the Bucks. I'm looking over at the TV screen, and the Bucks are, have blown their 17 to three lead over the Bengals uh, late in the third quarter as I'm recording this. So it looks like the Bucks may wind up losing that game. Uh, so you know, it's not completely dead. It, the, mathematically, they're not eliminated, but basically, you're hoping that the Bucks don't win. You know more than one game the rest of the season, which could happen given how the Bucks have performed this year. Uh, but, you know, probably is not going to happen uh, at this point in time. So we'll, we'll see. But, you know, I think really the rest of the season is less about the playoffs and more about sort of, you know, how does Ritter respond? How does Ritter grow from this point on uh, in this four-game audition? Game one was not particularly promising. You know, I think there were some positives that you can build off of. But certainly a lot of improvement needs to be made before we're getting to a level where we can sit here and say, yeah, you know what? Ritter was just as good as Marcus Mario. I will happily admit that, guys, that, you know, this game would probably be as bad as the worst Mariota game that we've seen uh, from him this season. Now, again, it's all relative. Mariota has like 75 to 80 career starts going into those poor performances. Well, Ritter had none. So. You know, you you do cut him a little, a lot more slack uh, because of that. But certainly, the hope that Desmond Ritter would be an immediate upgrade over Marcus Mariota did not come uh, to fruition uh, in this game. But you know, you're hoping that in the future performances you will see more and better from Desmond Ritter. But you're also hoping that you're going to have your defense not, you know, fall into these fourteen nothing holes. Seven minutes into the game, you're also hoping that we're not going to be talking about Arthur Smith's questionable play calling and game management stuff uh, anymore. Hopefully that's, you know, a non-issue moving forward, uh, but we'll, we'll just sort of have to see on that guy. So there's more to come on this game. Uh, I believe Wednesday and Tuesday evening will be when Mark Schofield comes on the pod. So tomorrow we'll probably, you know, take a look at the television copy and, and talk a little bit more about Desmond Ritter in that regard before we get into the all 22 uh, later this week, uh, guys, but that will do it for us here on today's rapid reaction. You know, obviously my, you know, my energy is, 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 is not where I would like it to be. I'm just, you know, disappointed uh, with, with today's game um, that we're not sitting here, you know, talking about how incredible Desmond Ritter is. Uh, so that will do it, guys. We'll, we'll we'll give this game a second pass on tomorrow's episode. Really appreciate you for making Locked On Falcons your first listen. Check out Locked On Sports today as your second listen to get the lowdown on all of sports in under 25 minutes or Locked On Sports Atlanta to get the local scoop on all the local teams, Locked On Hawks, Locked On Braves, Locked On Bulldogs, Braves, you know, some changes to the Braves roster happened over the weekend. So check that out. Obviously, the Bulldogs are, you know, on their path to a, a national title and the Hawks are doing stuff. <laughs> you know, I, I you know, it, it, last time I checked the Hawks weren't, weren't doing so much better than Falcons. But, you know, hey, you know, I don't know <laughs> who's who's the bigger disappointment. Uh, in a, in the city of Atlanta, you know, check it out on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Maybe they have an answer for that. So, guys, really appreciate it. Till then.